My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Chelsea Fougere and Sam Crawick. Historically, Anti-capitalist organizations, in all of their various ideological flavors, have not always done a good job of taking environmental struggles seriously. Similarly, many environmental groups have historically stopped far short of recognizing the roots of our multiple and overlapping environmental crises in how capitalism organizes our communities and our lives. And neither of them, at least when said organizations are mostly comprised of white Canadians, have a great track record when it comes to appreciating how integral struggles against colonialism and against racism are to all of those issues. Solidarity Halifax is a membership-based, non-sectarian, pluralist, democratic, and anti-capitalist organization based in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Since 2011, It has brought together people with a wide range of politics that see capitalism as an unjust way of organizing society and with a wide range of visions for a better world and created space for respectful debate and political collaboration on a variety of issues and campaigns. The organization has combined ongoing conversations to both build shared understandings and recognize points of disagreement with a commitment to supportive involvement in broader efforts to build social movements and win concrete gains in a range of struggles. The group has been actively involved in campaigns against privatization, in anti-racist work, in supporting workers' struggles, in solidarity with Mi'kmaq and other indigenous peoples, and much more. This episode is concerned with one of the newer elements of Solidarity Halifax, its Eco-Justice Committee. This committee aims to bring anti-capitalists and environmentalists together and to create a space for people to engage in analysis and action that works towards building an anti-capitalist, anti-colonial environmentalism. Solidarity Halifax initially hesitated about creating this committee out of a recognition that there are already several organizations in Halifax doing great work around the environment and around indigenous struggles, but they ultimately decided that it would be a useful contribution to have a group dedicated to environmental issues that was not constrained by being a non-profit or dependent on government or union funding. The Eco-Justice Committee relates to environmental struggles in the province and beyond in a number of ways, in addition to its commitment to dialogue and analysis. Its members are generally active as individuals in the many related struggles ongoing in Nova Scotia at the moment. Some, for instance, have been involved in starting a coalition called Solidarity with Alton Gas Resistance to act in solidarity in a Halifax context with the struggle against the Alton Natural Gas Storage Facility Project, resistance that is being led by people living near Stewiak, Nova Scotia, particularly Mi'kmaq people. Individual members of the Eco-Justice Committee are also involved in climate change-related mobilizations and in struggles against clear-cutting. As well, the committee as a whole has done things, like hold public educational events about environmental struggles in the province. They also see the committee's role as coordinating and mobilizing support for all of these on-the-ground struggles, 
and they engaged in public outreach activities last year in solidarity with various indigenous actions happening across the country to challenge the colonialism of Canada 150. Chelsea and Sam talk with me about anti-capitalist, anti-colonial environmentalism, about the work of Solidarity Halifax's Eco-Justice Committee, and about the importance of combining analysis and action. My name is Chelsea Fougere. I am a research assistant in the Earth Science Department at San Francisco Xavier University. I have been a member of Solidarity Halifax for just about a year. My name is Sam Crowick. I'm a group home worker. I've been a member of Solidarity Halifax for about three years now and a member of the Eco-Justice Committee since it was founded about a year ago. Solidarity Halifax itself is a membership-based, non-sectarian, pluralist, democratic, anti-capitalist organization based here in Halifax. We see capitalism as an unjust economic system that puts profit ahead of the needs of people on the planet. Solidarity Halifax was first founded about six years ago, November 2011. Since then, we've had a workers' action, now a workers' solidarity committee. We have an anti-racism committee. We've had various other internal committees. We have our membership, conflict resolution, and other things like that. One of the first things that Solidarity Halifax did was around the Canadian Union of Postal Workers. It was a strike slash lockout in 2011-2012. Solidarity Halifax coordinated support for that and has coordinated support for many other labor struggles and union struggles doing anti-racism work through a project called Working While Black in Nova Scotia, which is an effort to document anti-black racism in workplaces in Nova Scotia, which has now spread to Ontario as well. The anti-racism committee has also been active on street checks or carding as they affect African Nova Scotian communities. And the Eco-Justice Committee now is helping Solidarity Halifax members get more involved in struggles here in Nova Scotia, for example, in the struggle against Alton Gas. Basically, we create space to respectfully debate and promote strategies for opposing capitalism through various avenues like the Eco-Justice Committee. And the Eco-Justice Committee was founded out of sort of the need to bring together anti-capitalists and environmentalists and promote more organization and analysis within the environmental movement generally. Tell me more about the decision by Solidarity Halifax that you needed a group focused on environmental issues. You needed the Eco-Justice Committee. Well, it's been at least several years in the making. There have been members of Solidarity Halifax who consider themselves to be primarily working in the environmental movement and doing Indigenous solidarity work. But we haven't had a committee for it, a formal committee for it, until about this time last year. There was a lot of debate and disagreement within the organization generally about the need for a committee like that, given that there are already several great organizations here in Halifax that do a lot of good work around issues of the environment and Indigenous struggle. But the conversations kind of centered around a need for an independent, autonomous organization like Solidarity Halifax to take on these struggles as well, or to take part in them, because we don't rely on things like government funding. We're not a registered society. We're not a nonprofit or a charity like some of the other organizations are. We do not take money from unions. We don't take money from any level of government. And so then we can say and do what we want and say and do what we need to do to build grassroots support and coordinate for these struggles based on anti-capitalism. And we do that in recognition of the fact that historically on the left and anti-capitalists have not sufficiently addressed issues of the environment, you know, through many organizations of sort of the old left. And now this is an effort to break from the old left and to address real day-to-day issues that people are struggling with, as well as the bigger picture and providing some analysis for that. 
And similar to how the old left has failed to address issues of the environment, the environmental movement often fails to find the root of environmental crises, which is capitalism. Lay out for listeners the landscape of environmental struggles that are currently happening in Halifax and in Nova Scotia more broadly. I guess the primary one that folks would be seeing in the news right now is the struggle against Alton Gas, the Alton Natural Gas Storage Facility Project, which is a plan to store natural gas in artificial caverns about one kilometer underground near Stewiak, Nova Scotia. And that's being run by Alta Gas, which is a multinational corporation based in Calgary, Alberta. And the struggle against that is being led by Mi'kmaq land and water protectors, predominantly from Sabaganagadi District, where we are in Mi'kmaqi or Nova Scotia. There are many other struggles as well. Northern pulp has also been heating up. That's been going for about 50 years since the pulp mill in Pictou County was formed in 1967. There are many other issues, including like clear cutting, which Northern pulp is also implicated in. The struggle against fracking came to a head, I think, in 2014 when the ban on fracking came in place. There's now offshore drilling proposed for the south shore of Nova Scotia, as well as the Gulf of the St. Lawrence, which people are active in. And people are also active in showing solidarity for resistance to the Muskrat Falls project, which the Maritime Link, which connects to, is going through Nova Scotia. And so there is involvement in those struggles as well. There's also issues of environmental racism around waste disposal. Yeah, we do talk to folks down in Shelburne who are raising concerns from African Nova Scotian communities around the South Shore and in Shelburne uh, about the Shelburne town dump there and how it disproportionately affects African Nova Scotians in that area, as well as the Lincolnville town dump, talking to residents there and talking to people who are based here in Halifax who are active on opposing and providing some analysis on environmental racism. There are several communities without clean drinking water as well. Harriet's Field is one polluted by a dump. And the Pultlatuck First Nation has also been years without clean drinking water. And how have you been involved in these struggles, both in terms of individual members of the committee and the committee as a collective entity? We've done several campaigns through, so we've only been a group for the last year. And in the last year, we've done a couple of things. Around Canada Day, we organized a resistance action and that was really successful. We flyered, we just had a pamphlet talking about colonialism and we were pretty well received. It was an action at the McDonald Bridge shortly before Canada Day with a very explicit message of anti-colonialism. It is related to capitalism and just the ideas of theft, of like land theft and stealing resources. And then we had the conference in October which was also really successful in that we brought together, there was a woman, Louise Delisle, who spoke about the Shelburne Town Dump, which we were just talking about. Doreen Bernard spoke about Alton Gas, and Sherry Pictou spoke about Mi'kmaq fisheries rights. And I just talked about environmentalism and capitalism broadly to try to tie them together. And I think that's one of the really great strengths of the Eco-Justice Committee is that we don't miss the connection between all of these seemingly different issues. We can really tie them together as issues based in capitalism and colonialism. Yeah, and on a day-to-day basis, it certainly is the case that each of us are more focused on particular struggles. So we're all researching and getting involved with different kinds of struggles. I'm primarily involved with the struggle against Alton Gas with the group we have here called Solidarity with Alton Gas Resistance, and that includes 
myself and two other members of Solidarity Halifax, as well as folks from the Council of Canadians Atlantic office, as well as the Ecology Action Centre based here in Halifax and just members of the community. In the past few years, there has been a building effort from Mi'kmaq people there in the area and non-Indigenous residents of the Stubiak and surrounding areas, including Brentwood, where the proposed caverns would be, as well as people who live and rely on the land and water around the Shubenacadie River, where the company would plan to discharge the salt brine. They have been leading the effort against this, and then folks from Halifax or based in Halifax have been coordinating support. So Swagger, the group I was talking about, has existed for almost two years, and we primarily do fundraising activities and just coordinating support from here in the city when they need people to go and be there at the site. And so support for that has been growing. And something that we've also been doing is coordinating support for that from the trade union movement at the Federation of Labor Convention, at labor council meetings, and talking to leaders of various provincial unions based in Nova Scotia. And so that's been building more and more, and we're anticipating the company to start work again. In preparation for that, we've helped build the Strawbell House there at the company work site on the Shubenactory River. Had a very successful online fundraiser for that, so that Mi'kmaq water protectors will have a warm, safe, and comfortable place to stay while they do, you know, the sacred work of protecting land and water against this multinational corporation. And we're always doing more to fundraise and give more support so that, you know, we make sure that we're in this for the long haul. There is a coordinated effort to get members of the Eco-Justice Committee and members of Solidarity Halifax involved in supporting the struggle against Alton Gas, supporting Mi'kmaq land and water protectors that are on the front lines. But individual members are also involved with the climate mobilization chapter here in Halifax and struggles against clear-cutting sort of on an individual basis. And then we each kind of take a role of coordinating support for that among our group and the organization and beyond. Why do you think that it's important to bring an anti-capitalist and anti-colonial perspective to environmentalism? And what does actively taking up environmentalism bring to Solidarity Halifax as an anti-capitalist organization? Based on my experience with the struggle against Dalton Gas, for me, it's important to have an anti-capitalist and anti-oppressive analysis in order to make the work more effective. Part of our analysis around it are maybe critiques of how things have been done in the past. Some dangerous tendencies within environmental work in the past have included a single-issue focus and separation from mass movements, insularity and clique-based activism where people just do what they're used to doing and working with who they're used to working with and not necessarily growing the movement, hierarchy of leadership and elitism of activists, overemphasis on individual consumer and lifestyle choices in the environmental movement, dependence on trendiness, marketing, and what we call the politics of spectacle, and greenwashing. And we've identified these tendencies as being risks of alienating marginalized populations, the work of whom against environmental destruction has been the most militant, successful, and valuable, such as the struggle against fracking in El Sepoktuk in New Brunswick in 2013. So for me, it's about making the work more effective and identifying short-term and long-term strategies, which we believe are both necessary. So long-term strategies in an anti-capitalist view, it could include promoting social ownership and democratic control. So energy infrastructure, for example, could be managed through a combination of public ownership, cooperative ownership, like worker cooperatives, community-based nonprofit enterprise. In other words, things that are not for the sake of private profit for the 
So we think it's important to have the Eco-Justice Committee as a way for anti-capitalists to engage with the environmental movement and promote this analysis as a way of bringing our struggles together and making them more effective for those long-term struggles, the long-term strategies of shifting power and shifting structures of ownership, as well as the short-term strategies around promoting meaningful consultation, progressive legislation, enforceable climate agreements, and recognizing that short-term strategies and long-term strategies both require building the capacity of social movements, which is what we primarily aim to do. So anyone who has participated in social movements over a long period of time has likely encountered instances where explicitly anti-capitalist groups and the members of such groups participate in social movements in ways that are, you could say, alienating or unhelpful. You know, they're sectarian or they are obviously putting the interest of building their own organization over movement building or whatever. Talk about Solidarity Halifax's approach to engaging with social movements. We are a non-sectarian organization to begin with. As an organization, we really function around axioms, which are our common baseline of understanding and beliefs. And one of them is pluralism and non-sectarianism. It takes a community, it takes all of us, and we have to be able to find our common ground. So that's really important for us. Yeah, there's certainly a negative history of explicitly anti-capitalist organizations being manipulative through the form of like front groups or trying to, you know, get at the front of a march and make it look like they organized the whole thing. A whole set of negative political behaviors that really turn people off of anti-capitalism and formal forms of organization. So we are trying to push back against that. And part of that is also recognizing negative political behaviors like that. Solidarity Halifax is unique since we're not sectarian, so we do not restrict ourselves to any particular tradition like anarchism, communism, socialism, and so on. But we are pluralists, which means that we have members who personally describe themselves as anarchists or as communists or as socialists. And like Chelsea said, the most important part is finding that collective basis of unity for working together collectively and recognizing that we have a common enemy of the 1% and that we need to be working together to unite against them in whatever form that takes. And we recognize that that doesn't mean that we all need to belong to the same organization or do things the same way. Really, we need to build movements that don't require people to all be the same kind of person. We need to build the kind of movements where we can have all different kinds of people doing different kinds of things. And I'm really proud of the work that we do, not just in Solidarity Halifax, but in other groups that were involved in, like Swagger, Solidarity with Alt and Gas Resistance. That group includes people from nonprofit organizations like the Ecology Action Center, includes people from Council of Canadians, it includes people who describe themselves as anarchists. And we all have our different analyses. We all have slightly different visions of what a better world might look like, say, you know, after the revolution or whatever you call it. But the work that we're doing now, I find when we do tangible things together, it really shows how superficial those type of things can be, whether you call yourself an anarchist or whatever else. So that's what I'm proud of with that group in Swagger, as well as Solidarity Halifax. When we're doing these tangible projects, it shows that those sectarian differences are actually quite superficial. And it's sad to see such manipulative behavior come out in what I see as kind of being kind of a, a silly thing. That said, I do see it as being important to have a political analysis that goes beyond just being against capitalism. Of course, the first question we always get when we say we're anti-capitalist is, if you're against capitalism, then what are you for? 
And we don't have a clear answer for that yet that we've identified collectively as an organization. Like I said, we're not a socialist organization. We're not an anarchist organization. We're an anti-capitalist organization. And there has been a lot of debate and disagreement within the group about what kind of answers we have for that. Individuals like myself, I would call it socialism. I identify as a socialist, but I'm willing to work with people with whom I don't agree with 100%. And I don't think you need to have the capital T truth to do work on something and to coordinate support for local struggles. And I think it's exciting to be part of an organization where we don't all have to agree 100% in order to work together. And anti-colonial and environmental politics have not always been taken up well or seriously by the various anti-capitalist traditions that you mentioned. How would you say that Solidarity Halifax's anti-capitalism has itself been shaped by this commitment to engage seriously with anti-colonial and environmental politics? I think it's really important for me personally, in my own political development, I've realized that sectarianism is too narrow a lens for looking at the issues of the modern day. I think that the issues that we're facing now are not going to appear in texts from decades or centuries ago. I think that the problems that we're facing, some of them are as old as time and some of them are fresh and we need to be adaptive and flexible. As an anti-capitalist organization, we certainly realize that the development of organizational structures like ours need to be adapted from both the positive and the negative lessons of the history of the left. And so in a way, we're kind of trying to do something that hasn't been done before that we know of, although there are similar efforts across the country and across the world to do more non-sectarian anti-capitalist work that recognizes the importance of anti-colonialism, anti-racism. It probably exists more in an informal way. I know a lot of great activists across the country who are anti-capitalist and as part of that have anti-colonial and anti-racist analyses of these struggles. As an organization that forms a large part of our basis of unity, anti-colonial environmentalism is a huge part of the work of the Eco-Justice Committee. We recognize, for example, that Indigenous struggle must be addressed on its own terms, but must also be placed at the center of our struggles for climate and environmental justice. We also recognize the ways that capitalism and colonialism work in tandem, seeing that capitalist colonialism compels the theft of Indigenous land and resources, as well as the suppression of their communities. There are a series of these guideposts you can find on our website on solidarityhalifax.ca on anti-colonial environmentalism, basically what we see the situation as being, and some general guidelines for how groups like ours should relate to these struggles, how we should support Mi'kmaq land and water protectors, and what our role is in supporting them and coordinating support within our communities. Solidarity Halifax in the membership, it is a predominantly white organization. Not all of the members are white, but many of the members have come to the organization through like university communities, through the labor movement and trade unions. And the reality is, is that a lot of the people who come up through those, they are predominantly white. And so we sort of do have to grapple with that as we do with our anti-racism guideposts as well and our guideposts on anti-racist environmentalism on, you know, what is the role of settler Canadians and what is the role of organizations like Solidarity Halifax that are predominantly white, but nonetheless have to engage with these questions of colonialism and racism as anti-capitalists. So it strikes me that another important aspect of Solidarity Halifax's work is the commitment to both action and theory. And of course, in social movement contexts, 
not everyone shares that commitment. There are some people who are quite skeptical of the value of putting time and energy and resources into focusing on theory. So talk about why you think it's important to focus on both, both action and theory. I think it's important to know why you're doing what you're doing. And I think that is the benefit of analysis. But I think you can't also just write. You have to live what you believe. So you really have to have both. And I think, again, like I've talked a bit about the importance of playing to different people's strengths. Some people are introverted and some people are extroverted and some people want to just sit at home and write and some people want to be out on the ground. And what works is when we work together. I think theory and action do necessarily go together. Like Chelsea said, we need to pay careful attention to why we're doing what we do, but also how we do it. For example, in our anti-racism guideposts, we say that we should avoid practices of organizing and decision-making that conflict with those of the communities with whom we are allies. Now, at the time that we brought that forward to the larger organization, it may have seemed abstract, but that had real implications on our work. For example, in the HRM Halifax Regional Municipality election in 2016, we were preparing to run a candidate in District 8 in North End Halifax. When we learned that Lindell Smith who is a young Black man from the community, planned to run, we had a lot of debate and disagreement within the organization about what to do from there, given that many of us knew Lindell Smith personally before then, as an anti-racist, anti-capitalist organization, you know, how do we respond to that? And so that guidepost that we agreed on several years before the election, which may have felt abstract or theoretical at the time, ended up being a major factor in our decision to not run a candidate in District 8 against Lindell Smith because we all agreed as an organization that we should avoid practices of organizing and decision-making that conflict with those of the communities with whom we are allies. And that guidepost also comes out of our general collective analyses of racism and effective ways of opposing it, including our ideas about what race is and using the term white, like what is whiteness. So a lot of these things that feel theoretical or abstract at the time that you're talking about it within the committee or at our general meetings have real implications for our work. And in the Code Justice Committee specifically, we also talk about the history of colonialism and theories of race, theories of class, and how that can be a framework for how we get involved in things. And I think that's important for being in this for the long haul, is having sort of a, a position on questions like that, like using the term white, for example. You know, a lot of the people we support might not distinguish between settler Canadians and Indigenous people. Although we still need to support them, we might have a disagreement on that, what some see as being a theoretical distinction, but has real implications for our work. So we have to have these positions not codified, like these are living documents, but at least mutually agreed upon as we go into this work so that we know where we stand and we know how to relate to the people that we're trying to support. You have been listening to my interview with Chelsea Fougere and Sam Crowick about Solidarity Halifax's Eco-Justice Committee. To learn more about their work, go to solidarityhalifax.ca and search for Eco-Justice. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. 
I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.